And we are live for the 108th episode of the Bronx Bomber Babble podcast. Tonight, it's no Luigi, but we got Andrew, G, and welcome back to the podcast. Gus, what's going on, guys? What's going on? Happy to be here. Absolutely. First and foremost, I just want to get this out of the way. Bronx Bomber Babble podcast brought to you by Six Pack Coverage. We are so finally excited to be able to announce our partnership with Six Pack Coverage. Uh, if you guys haven't already, please check out all their socials at Six Pack Coverage, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, they have an awesome website as well with tons of content, podcasts, blogs, uh, and we're so happy to finally be part of the Six Pack family. Uh, and with that being said, guys, we're here recording Super Bowl Sunday, February the 13th. Nothing has really changed on, on the labor front. That's going to be the issue of, of the podcast tonight because there's still no baseball. There's still no signings. We should be getting ready for pitchers and catchers this week, and we're not. We're still sitting here bitching and complaining about the CBA. Uh, yeah, so this particular Super Bowl Sunday definitely is like it's it's upsetting because it's like after Super Bowl Sunday you have like, you know, some regular season NHL left. You have like the last, you know, stretch. You're getting towards the home stretch of the NBA regular season ending. And then otherwise, it's like you're relying on the excitement of pitchers and catchers to be filling that void that you would have for a little while. And now we're still instead just going to be arguing about this crap for whoever knows how long. Probably a lot longer than it should have been, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, it kind of reminds you of uh, waiting for, uh, you know, maybe a film that uh, you've heard that's been in development for a long time that you just don't know anything about you know they keep changing directors or they keep changing writers or, or perhaps a, a video game that you know is in development that just is slogging through its cycle and nothing is changing and you you hear the same thing over and over it, it is pretty frustrating uh, maybe some incremental change here and there but uh, we still seem to be kind of slogging through uh, these last couple of weeks I think it's actually a really good analogy, right? Talking about a movie or a video game getting delayed and you know it's in the works, but like you're not seeing the actual substantial progress that you'd hope to see. The only difference between something like that, which is done completely in private, is that this is taking place in the public eye and it's just a constant war of words. And you can really tell that both sides, specifically, well, Rob Manfred's catching all the heat because he's the voice of the owners and, and rightly so because he's the commissioner of the league, right? But like, it's basically him versus the players and they're both just giving sound bites having interviews press conferences tweeting things to very clearly gain public favor right like they want people to take their side and i've tried my best to play devil's advocate in this it may seem like at times i'm defending the league and the owners only because there's such an overwhelming tidal wave of support for the players and if we're being perfectly honest they're not much better either obviously we want them to get what what, what they deserve, right? Uh, as, as especially we're going to talk about some of the stuff that came out about the minor leaguers and what they, what the owners want to do there in spring training this year. Like there, there's some some shady stuff going on, but both sides are just so ugly and so loud and and playing out this war of words. And it really doesn't seem like no one actually wants to meet in the middle. They just want to win public favor. Yeah, uh, there, there's a lot of. Uh, like you said, there's a lot of kind of jockeying uh, for support uh, on on both sides. Uh, a lot of tweets from the players. Yeah, obviously, you have those 
statements uh, from Manfred. And yeah, you know, I think notably you, you brought up uh, the minor leaguers. They are still going to play their season. Uh, and if you want to go ahead and get to what came out about the owner's plans for them, but uh, I did think that was notable that maybe not everyone would know, but uh, the minor league seasons, I believe, are still scheduled to, to go on as intended. Right, right. And the the big sound clip that, that, that came out, I, I forget if it was either Friday or, or, or Saturday, but uh, it was saying how teams didn't want to pay the minor leaguers, you know, the, the non-roster guys who were going to spring training because they viewed it as, well, you're, the value you're getting out of this is the opportunity to, to apply for this job, right? To showcase your talents, essentially treating spring training like an unpaid internship, which look, that's just sickening. These guys barely make enough money in the minor leagues to begin with, to be able to afford a house, right? A lot of them are, are crashing still with their parents or they're having like six guys in a three bedroom apartment. And some people are sleeping on couches because that's, they make like 30 to $40,000 a year. Like that's not a substantial amount of money. And now the clubs are going to say, hey, show up to spring training. Even if it's 30 to 70 miles, we don't care from where you normally reside. Hey, you got to show up here in Florida or Arizona or wherever it may be, right? And then we're not going to pay you, but you're going to get the experience. What the hell is that? Yeah, and, and every player that you hear talk about their experience in the minors has a crazy story like that. I remember reading about Tory Hunter sleeping in his car, or you know, there's a there's a great Instagram account called Minor League Grinders that kind of showcases a lot of what these these guys do, these like crazy methods to save money uh, when they can. And, you know, every guy that you see talk about their experience in the minors has some kind of a, a crazy story about like sleeping in their car or like showering in the facility, uh, just something nuts like that. And it's not, it shouldn't be that way. And uh, yeah, so that's definitely something that I'm glad to see. Um, in terms of the player's stance on all this is that if you didn't have someone, you know, if you don't have the wealthiest or the most prominent players stick up for, you know, the lesser earners, or in this case, the minor leaguers, like it's nothing's going to change on their behalf. So you have to bring attention to that for sure. And um, <clears throat> hopefully, you know, that's something that uh, changes for the better in that case, because that, you know, regardless of it, if, if it's a regular person, you know, working a regular job or in this case, a, a baseball player, it's like you should be compensated. You know, it's not right to have these guys have to kill themselves and then to be like, well, you, the experience is your pay. They're like, no, that's fucking stupid. It really is. Like, it's just it's just stupid. I will say, though, about that, uh, you have some of these higher paid players, specifically a guy like. Max Scherzer, who's very vocal about how he feels about these younger players and these lower paid played, paid players getting treated. But like, this is a guy who's about to start a three-year, $130 million contract. So it does seem a, a little out of place for him to talk about the plight of these players. And I, I get he was once there too, right? Everyone who came up through the systems um, was at one point that imp impoverished minor leaguer, right? But for a guy who's going to be making like $43 million this year to talk about how he knows what it's like to have to sleep in your car or go to the team's site and, and shower before and after games because you don't have access to <laughs> a working shower in your house or wherever you're at. 
Uh, it does seem a little off base, but uh, I mean, that I think wasn't it's enough. more important for someone like him to talk about it because they say, oh, Max Scherzer, what the hell does he care what a minor leaguer who's making, you know, whatever they're making and not some of them apparently not getting paid at all for spring training, but it's more important for a guy of his stature to, to talk about that because they'd be like, why he has no business caring about that, but he does. And that's something we should pay attention to. Yeah, and you know, I, I think it's it's more for to to bring attention to it. Like people are going to write about Max Scherzer says, you know, X Y Z about the minor leagues, uh, you know, because the the minor leaguers they don't really have, you know, they don't have a, a a players association. They're just kind of at the whims of their organizations. So, you know, they need somebody to kind of be the the mouthpiece for them and uh, to kind of go to bat. Uh, so to speak, for them. And I think it, it's good on those guys who have made it and who have struggled and and grinded and been able to to make a career out of baseball to try and make it easier for the people after them. I, I don't know. I mean, we, we take it we can take it issue by issue. We take it issue by issue last time. Like, I just think that MLB ownership treating their, you know, players like they're, you know, some unpaid internship is just, it's just, it's crazy. It's just so stupid. Like, how can you possibly try and defend that position publicly other than we want to make more money on this specific thing? Like, they're minor leaguers. They don't make anything, but at least pay them for their time. Like, that's just that's just stupid. It's just not right. Yeah, so there, there, there's there's a couple main key issues we're, we're going to hit on tonight. Uh, first being the, the meeting that took place yesterday. Uh, then there's some some sound clips from from Rob Manfred, uh, notably the if you invested in the stock market, it would be more profitable than owning a major league franchise, which that's crap. Uh, we'll get to that. And then there was uh, some of the other concessions that were made uh, yesterday. Uh, I do want to highlight, though, a, a really important article posted by Jeff Pass and ESPN, uh, ESPN Plus subscriber only, obviously, but um, posted this on, on Friday. Uh, Starts, I'm obviously just not going to sit here and read an article on the podcast, but it says the most important day in baseball's attempt to salvage its season arrived Saturday. Major League Baseball plans to make a proposal it hopes will defibrillate negotiations on a new collective bargaining agreement. LOL out of that. Uh, and anyone yearning to hear the crack of the bat and inhale the aromas of a ballpark on March 31st had better hope MLB make a significant move. Sorry, got news for you. That didn't happen. So let's like really get into the meeting yesterday because there was a, some sort of, of confusion in, in what exactly happened because you had a number of prominent people on Twitter tweeting things that were similar, but maybe also a little bit contradictory in, in, the, in the notes of like what they were actually saying came out. Um, you had, what, uh, John Heyman had a source from the players side that said, well, it wasn't as bad as we thought, but then you also had um, what, what were some of the other quotes, right? Um, Evan Drellich, also the athletic, uh, posted like the meetings ended, union officials are underwhelmed. Uh, MLB made a large proposal uh, on economics and otherwise. Pre our bonus pool went up 5 million, uh, but that was really it. it. It just seems like not much <clears throat> happened. Like, sure, the two sides do, are, do you are want inching my... towards each other, <clears throat> but really, we're not getting substantial progress yet. Do you want my one of these things is not like the other take on that whole Please. difference in opinions? Uh, but <clears throat> sorry, John Heyman works for MLB Network. 
He works for MLB Network and probably is well aware of what happened to Ken Rosenthal when expressing any and all potentially critical viewpoints on the league or matters regarding that. And the other guys who espouse the different opinions don't work for MLB Network. So that's my take on that. You know, take it or leave it. But I think it's not out of the order. It, it, based on what we saw with Ken Rosenthal, I don't think it's you can dismiss it out of hand that he's just trying to shine a good light on it. Yeah, and then uh, you do have uh, a report from Jesse Rogers that the league also offered the ability to receive two draft picks instead of one uh, if uh, they keep up a star prospect and finishes top three in awards. So you had a, a lot of things coming out uh, from this meeting from a lot of different people. Uh, I don't know if we, we want to go necessarily full tinfoil hat. I mean, sometimes you can talk to different people and they have different viewpoints on how productive or detrimental a, a meeting was. Uh, but I think broad view, it wasn't as good as we were hoping for, perhaps, but it wasn't completely terrible. Well, that's just it, right? Uh, Passon had built it up to be like it was like the most important day in the, in the lockout. And like we're already in the second longest work stoppage in Major League Baseball history, right? So uh, one that obviously canceled the 1994 World Series and then this one taking place entirely in an offseason. But still, it seems like this was a critical point in, in negotiations and the league countered uh, with something very underwhelming. And, and who, which side was it that said the other day that we're not going to create a, a, a counter offer because they don't want to play ball? Was that the players who said that because they knew the league wasn't really meeting them in the middle? No, they said, I thought what happened was that the league said that they were going to um, submit a proposal and then they, you know, this was a week or so ago, and then they're like, never mind, we're not going to do that until they, I guess, finally did kind of uh, over the weekend or, you know, yesterday, but before that, they were like, the league was going to submit a counteroffer, and then they just didn't. And then you have the issue with the the Office of the Commissioner <laughs> wanting to pull in a federal negotiator, and, and the Players Union really didn't have any interest in that, seeming like it wasn't negotiation in good faith. Although I feel like if you're going to get someone who's an impartial uh, factor at, at such a high level, right, works for uh, our government, right, who <laughs> they can actually potentially help push things along a little bit like they can't work for one side or the other but I would hope that that would at least help grease the wheels a little bit but maybe not no because I, I don't I mean, think that would have been um I wonder what side the government's going to take you think about the the antitrust exemption that Major League Baseball has it's funny that yeah well that's an interesting point Gus because you'd think that like MLB ownership wouldn't want the government anywhere near their business dealings because, you know, if the antitrust exemption ever goes away, that's going to like obviously totally change the business of the sport. But I, I feel like the players probably wouldn't have wanted that because one, it takes time to have a federal mediator get up to speed on all the ins and outs and the inner workings and whatever, but also just the fact that they would probably be more conducive to meeting where they are. like keeping the fundamental issues you know closer to where they are now and the players obviously want more substantial change on a lot of things so that's probably why in my opinion why they didn't want to do that i just can't get over some of these 
just awful sound bites from from Rob Manfred though, right? Because he talks about wanting to to work towards a resolution, and it just doesn't seem like like that's the case. Uh, and, and like I mentioned earlier, where both sides want to win, this is as clear as it gets, right? He talks about how, um, you know, I, I mentioned the the stock market quote, on, and then he said, "I'm the same person today as I was in 1998," uh, insinuating that he's done a number of these labor negotiations and he got those done in the past. So obviously, he's still working towards a resolution. Now uh, he mentioned that missing games would be disastrous for the league, uh, but it doesn't seem like there's any urgency to get that with spring training or the expected start of spring training pending. Uh, and then I think the worst one was when they asked, like, uh, well, why were you guys just kicking the can down the road past the holidays? Why did you wait, was it 45 days to make first first contact? And then he said, well, phones work both ways. Like, are you kidding me, dude? Like, this is your league. At some point, you got to take on us. And this, this is the shit that makes me mad <clears throat> because it's a frustrating negotiation to, to observe, but it's, you know, it didn't need to be this adversarial, right? Like they didn't need to lock out the players on December 1st. They could have just been like, Hey, you know what? Contract is up, but let's meet in a week, you know, and, you know, and we'll try and start to do this, right? There was no, meeting for six weeks there was no proposal for whatever like you know six weeks 70 days something like that like and to be like oh well you know they could have just called up at any time you know it's just and this is the shit that makes me mad and why people don't like rob manford and the players are now openly saying this regardless of what you know the public opinion really doesn't matter because it's not going to affect you know you know we're not voting the public isn't voting on the cba or anything like that it's just a negotiation between these two sides but this is why it's, I guess, quote unquote, a winning issue with the public because Rob Manfred just does not seem trustworthy. The players are saying this now. Trevor May said it. He was streaming or podcasting or something. He said the guy does not negotiate in good faith. Nothing he does is in good faith. The players don't trust this man. And regardless of whether or not he's just trying to defend a position that the owners want him to or whatever, you can defend that position and have it be more publicly palatable because Roger Goodell's I think pretty well received for the most part, you know, the NFL has their own shit that they get into, but Roger Goodell, I think has probably a dramatically better public opinion about him than Rob Manford does. And he has to defend the same type of rich, you know, greedy people that, that Manfred does. Yeah. I, you know, you would have hoped for, for a little uh, personal growth in the years since 1998. I don't know if saying that, that you're the same person that you were back then is is great for someone who is supposed to be in charge of a sport in uh, 2022. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think you guys said it, you know, and regardless of, of what you feel about what the players are, are saying in public, you know, their goal is to improve the sport. They want to make the sport easier to to access and, and easier for players themselves to, you know, make, make money and, and be able to have a career. And the, the owners are pretty, seem pretty dead set on not letting any of that happen. Uh, so it, you know, it, it's frustrating that, that they don't really want to seem to, to try and improve the sport that so many people, all of us love and, Obviously, the, the players want it to be as, as good as it can be. 
And correct me if I'm wrong here, but wasn't part of the reason why Rob Manfred being hired as Major League Baseball Commissioner, whatever it was, six, seven, eight years ago, I don't remember, so well received because he had been involved in these labor negotiations in the past and they knew that the, the CBA issue was going to be on his plate and they thought that there was some chance that he would handle this really well and that they would be able to smooth things over and have it not be this ugly lockout that we're in now. Like, wasn't this part of the reason that people were so excited about him in the first place and he's completely botching it or, or am I misremembering that? It depends on which people you're referring to, because it's, if it's regarding what the owners might've thought, then that's, they probably just wanted someone who was going to like rake the players union over the coals and get a great favorable deal for them, which is, if that's what happened, then that's probably why you're seeing such a, you know, us and them adversarial stance towards the union. Um, <clears throat> because, yeah, obviously it's a couple percent either direction, billions of dollars and all that bullshit. But like you can still negotiate in good faith, like you can still go about it in a way that's more conducive to actually working something out. But I don't, I mean, I don't know. It was more probably just like a continuity. I personally never liked Bud Selig anyway, so I wouldn't have been all that excited about continuity at the time. That's just my opinion. But like, I don't know. I don't know why anyone would have been super excited about, you know, the commissioner of baseball, unless it was some, you know, someone coming in set like, you know, with a great PR campaign being like, yeah, this is what we're going to do. This is what, you know, and really get the public on your side. I just don't see why anyone would have been terribly excited about where baseball was coming from, because it's not the most forward thinking sport traditionally. I do think that part of what people got excited about when he was first hired was because he had worked in the labor department under Bud Selig, correct? Uh, and then he immediately came in and they got like that that goodwill five-year CBA extension, uh, which obviously ran through December of 2021. But that that was like, that wasn't actually a real CBA, right? I mean, I know we talked about, is there going to be a lockout at, at that point too? But I don't think there was ever really any threat. They kind of made some minor concessions on either side. And they said, all right, let's extend the current agreement five years. Uh, so he came in right off the bat, had some something on his resume to be like, hey, look, I'm going to I'm going to make this work in the right direction. And, and certainly all all the, the ugliness uh, of what here, where his real agenda lies, where the owner's agendas lies. Um, and certainly, obviously, we're, we're also we're some level of player greed is coming out, too, because I, I don't want to give them a complete free pass. Like, certainly they're fighting to make their existence better. Right. Uh, as they should. But I do think that maybe a little too much on their end as well, but like it's all coming out right now. And it's like we mentioned, uh, a very ugly pu public war of words. Uh, so where do we see this actually going though? Because they, they've made some concessions. They've agreed on the universal DH. Uh, they've agreed on draft pick compensation. Uh, essentially they said, we're gonna tweak the, the competitive balance tax and the numbers are still way out of whack. Uh, the counter offer, from the league on Saturday was incremental changes to the, the thresholds, but the tax rate was the same. So uh, they're making minor movements in some, in some areas. Do we think that that's actual progress or do we think that's just like, Oh, look, we're going to, we're going to pretend to do something. So it looks like we're actually negotiating, but it's all just bullshit. Um, so in terms of, well, so both of these sides met 
obviously they met yesterday, but they all met. You know, there's a players meeting. I think it was in Arizona. There was an owners meeting. That's where Manfred spoke and said all his usual stupid bullshit that he says. Um, but the well, you know, kind of like we said earlier with Max Scherzer, it, like the top players, the best players are going to get paid. So if there's solidarity on the player side, then I think this has the potential to really drag out and go on because the players are going to get paid, right? If Max Scherzer says, I don't give a shit what's going on with, you know, minor leaguers, I'm going to get paid, so I'll sign it, right? If there's no solidarity there, then it doesn't matter. The You know, the players are going to get a, a raw deal or a, a deal that's similar to what we have now, and then they're just going to go about their business. But I don't think that's – I think the players are actually pretty dug in with each other. And that was kind of reiterated after the meeting the other day coming out. You know, they said there was a lot more players there. I think Aaron Judge, Severino, you know, Zach Burton is a prominent guy in the union. He was there like. Eric Cole um, about it. Yeah, exactly. Like, so like uh, there's, there's definitely solidarity there. As long as that maintains, then, you know, and the, the top players are sticking up for the the less tenured or lower players, then this has the potential to really go on because you saw, um, from the owners, you know, like there's there's potential for agreement or negotiation on a lot of things, but I think the the CBT is like one of the key ones. And the owner's proposal was like, it you know, it, technically it was changed. There was like a $2 million change in some of the thresholds. It's not change. It doesn't mean anything. Like, it, th- th- there's no change there, right? If you add $2 million to the threshold of the CBT, that's not even one free agent signing. And the tax rate doesn't change either. So what are, the, what are you changing? That's just like a, the numbers are different. So we, technically we changed it, change. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the thing that, the, one of the main issues that was really on my mind going into this, that I don't know if, if it's really been discussed to have been changed is, uh, you know, getting players to free agency earlier. That was a thing that I thought would really improve uh, just the, the state of the game. You know, you think about, we just had the uh, NBA trade deadline and, and all of the, the hullabaloo for player movement in that league is, it just gives it so much publicity and there's a ton of coverage around it. And then you look at Major League Baseball, you know, for example, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. isn't going to be a, a free agent until he's 27. I, I think that's a couple of years on the wrong side of 25. And that's one of the things that I really thought had the uh, needed to, to be changed going forward. And, and I don't know if there's been any updates on that, uh, but, you know, like, you, and I think that the CBT stuff can affect that in, in certain ways, but that's one of the things that I was really looking forward to, to hopefully being changed. Uh, but yeah, like you guys said, you know, I guess your progress is progress, whether it's it's genuine, quote unquote, or not. I don't know. But there seems to be a little bit of of inching towards each other, I guess. Uh, I just don't think the owners want, I mean, it's clear, it's pretty clear they don't want any significant amount of change. Um, well, I, like I said, I think the CBT is one of the key things, and I think that's where it's going to really hold up because if the players got the number that they wanted, which I think was like it's 213 or 210 now, and the, the players wanted it to like immediately go up to like 225 or something like that, like, yeah, that's significant. And in the case of the Yankees, it's going to dramatically 
affect what they do after the lockout is lifted because you know they they were right about or at that 210 mark right they've been dancing around it the last couple of years and if it goes dramatically up well house stock burner probably doesn't want to spend 250 million dollars on payroll but well, he could and, and that's the thing too right with the with with the cbt as it relates to the yankees they've now gone under it for the second time in five years i believe uh and the whole point of of getting under it at least last time was so that when you blow past it the following year you're paying the lowest penalties right i don't think that's the case going forward i think they, they're at a point where they kind of view that cbt as as a soft salary cap where they'll pay taxes if they have to but they're not going to be just spending at will they're going to be partially limited by that number in perpetuity, which really sucks, right? Coming from where, where the Yankees used to be, I get George is dead. I get um, there, there's limited finances or there's literally limited revenue outside of the New York Yankees for the ownership, right? Like a lot of other teams, uh, Jeff Passan used the example that the, the Braves are owned by Liberty Media, right? So uh, they have a shit ton of other sources of revenue outside of just baseball. Uh, the Yankees don't have that luxury, but they're also the most profitable sports brand in the world other than the Dallas Cowboys. Um, they may actually be ex- exceed them. I have to double check that. But um, it, it's just insane that we, we've now been hamstrung by this number over and over again. And, and I think going forward, that's going to be lesser of an issue league-wide, though. I think the, the pre-R bonus pool is going to be what really holds these negotiations up. What was the original figure? I think the the players wanted 105 million. The league said, "No, we'll give you 10." So that's a 95 million dollar gap. And now we're at 100 million and 15. So it's 85. Uh, that's not really significant movement. But I do think that if they end up settling in the 30 to 50 million dollar range, uh, it does provide some of those younger players who are making league minimum. Like obviously, the league minimum is a whole other issue too. Getting to arbitration earlier or getting to free agency a year earlier is an issue too. But this helps mitigate that problem where if you have players performing really well, if you bundle in anywhere from 30, 40, $50 million in, in a pool for the top foreign players, now they can make anywhere from three to $5 million in their second or third years, maybe seven or $10 million, depending on how big the pool is, right? And I think that helps at least to an extent calm what the players want because they're, yeah, like we, we mentioned guys like Max Scherzer who have already hit the jackpot multiple times. They're not concerned with with, with with player salaries as it pertains to them, right? But you have a guy like Aaron Judge who almost won the MVP as a rookie who's making $565 million, whatever the number was at that point. Like that's criminally underpaid, right? And, and in a system where there is a pre-arb pool, maybe he could have earned a worthy six, $7 million that year. And then if he played poorly or was injured, as we know, the next year, then he got paid less. But like that, I think that's a fair system. Yeah, and just speaking of uh, what the Yankees are going to do after the lockout, what all teams are going to do after the lockout, in case you forgot, there are so many guys who still don't have teams. And, and it's not just your run-of-the-mill, like, scrub free agency, Carlos Correa, Chris Bryant, Freddie Freeman, Nick Castellanos, Clayton Kershaw, Kenley Jansen, Trevor Story. I mean, down the line, Kyle Schwarber, Nelson Cruz, 
Carlos Rodon. There are so many guys who still uh, haven't signed with teams. You know, the entire Braves uh, outfield who, you know, led them basically to the World Series, Eddie Rosario, Jorge Soler, Jock Peterson, those guys are all free agents. So there's going to be just a ton of activity once uh, those negotiations are completed, you're going to see uh, just a, a frantic, probably spring training period where guys are just going to show up like midway through and, and kind of just don the uniform and, and start trucking. Um, yeah, it's just like, it, it, I think that has the potential to be really good in a way optically you know so it's like oh well the lockout's lifted rather than having it be like you know it's going to be a couple weeks there's no free agent signings like all the free agent signings are done like you're gonna have this like crazy period of free agency kick off again and hopefully that will like help dissipate some of the awkward bad vibes but you know depending on how it all plays out like i just think you know this could really damage the sport right it's like you know what lockout ever helps you know 1994 you know almost killed the league more or less until in 1998 and the home run race and all that stuff you know brought it back um and i you know i just think it's really bad you know they they really have to be not that they're you know all that aware of it you know they have to be careful because you know where are they coming back from? Where are they going to get the fans back? How are they going to get the fans back if they say, you know, fuck this, I'm just going to go watch basketball or hockey or NFL or whatever all the time, you know, these people aren't serious. Like, I just don't think they're taking this with the urgency that it really requires because it's potentially, you know, life or death for their sport in a matter of years. Yeah, it it, it certainly is. And I don't know if I have much confidence that we even get 120 games this year. Uh, and certainly at the rate they're going, maybe they'll come to an agreement in, in, in April. Uh, and then you got to have a shortened spring training and then a season there. And But uh, I, I realistic expectations. What do we think? How many games? Let's do a quick round table. I'm going to say 120 games for this season. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think it's pretty solid to say. I think they, at this point, they probably miss at least a month. Yeah, you're probably going to be hovering around that, you know, 110, 150, 120 range, I, I would guess. I mean, nobody really knows. Some but. scorching hot takes, guys. I gave my number, and then you just got in line. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just, you know, like, even when, you know, 2020, right, the first COVID affected season and i just thought it was funny that year because all throughout that year right what did we hear we didn't hear one lick about you know health officials are saying they can't play more than 100 games or they can't play that's what rob manfred said the other day he goes you know someone asked him a question about uh the last time they tried to do negotiate and they needed to negotiate the number of games they were going to play in 2020 and he he said oh health officials said we couldn't play more than you know 62 games they played um which i mean i guess it's possible right you know the nba was in a bubble the nhl was in a bubble the nfl had its own thing that fall but like um no one said a lick about it at the time right it was just 
the same old crap that we're hearing now, right? Oh, they said this, this and that. They, you know, the players want to do this, the others want to do that. Like, we didn't hear one lick about health officials. Like, so I just, if they weren't all that up in arms about it then, where they missed out on 100 games worth of revenue, then I just don't see why, you know, why we have to believe that they're going to have any urgency this time. And especially, it's especially funny to me because, you know, what did we hear, right? Oh, the owners, oh, they lost so much revenue, they lost so much money, they lost so much whatever from the last time, from the COVID-affected seasons, from the shortness. Well, here they are. They have a chance to avoid that, and they're not doing it, so. Yeah, it, it really is just a frustrating situation all around. Um, I think we could go on for another 20 minutes and just beat this horse till it's dead and bloodied, but uh, this seems like a good good place to, to stop tonight. I keep saying tonight, we're recording this before noon, um, Super Bowl Sunday, we want to give ourselves the day still, but uh, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll certainly keep everyone posted here as we, we hear more, um, hope to keep podcasts semi-regularly, ideally we would have liked to have a spring training preview episode about this time next week, that sure as shit ain't going to happen, but as these discussions, these negotiations continue on, uh, we'll, we'll be here with with updates, and then certainly once free agency opens up, uh, it's going to be an absolute mad dash. Uh, and I, I forget the actual number, but uh, or, or for what the exact quote was, but what someone said, like the first 72 hours are going to be absolute chaos uh, to try and sign these players. Because I think between the time that they sign off on the new CBA and the start of spring training, uh, there's probably not going to be a big window, so teams are going to need to fill open holes. Players are going to want to get employment, so they know where to report, potentially move across the country. Uh, so there's going to be a lot going on, and that part will certainly right. be get really, really excited about. Um, and but, uh, yeah, for- Rod Manfred did say that they want to have a four-week spring training because in 2020, when they did the three-week spring training, everyone immediately got hurt. So um, even after they sign you know, they sign and ratify. I don't know, remember exactly how long that whole approving and putting into action the CBA will take. Maybe it'll take a week or however long it takes, but it'll be a month after that. So, you know, however long it takes them to get to the CBA to agree to it, to ratify it, put it into effect. And then it'll be a month after that when the season starts. So just in case, just in case we all had any last shriver, you know, sliver of hope that it was going to start within the next like three weeks. It's not. Right. And, and that's why yesterday's meeting was so important, because if there was a lot of progress made, we thought, hey, maybe they can wrap this thing up in the next two or three weeks. And that just doesn't seem to be the case. Uh, but yeah, but for the, the Bronx Mauer Battle podcast, uh, for Andrew, G, and Gus, uh, we'll see you guys next time.